Welcome to the Hottest Party on TV podcast. I'm your host, music writer and pop culture enthusiast, Jerome Graham. I'm back with another great Where Are They Now interview with a Club MTV dancer. This time, it's Kim Marie Lynch. If you're a Club MTV fan, you'll likely remember Kim from the early years of the show. An OG Club MTV dancer, she was cast on the pilot in the summer of 1987. During the course of her time on the show, she became dance partners with Anastasia. Yes, that Anastasia of Left Outside Alone and I'm at a Love fame, the recent winner of the Mass Singer Australia. And the two looked to leverage their exposure on Club MTV and set off in a career as a recording duo. There are a ton of twists and turns in Kim's journey. She's a badass, so there's music videos, the global sensation of a stage show that is stomp, acting, teaching, and more. I tell her at one point that she's the only Club MTV dancer I've spoken with so far who's danced on the show and also <laughs> danced on the Academy Awards. Plus, we get her thoughts on Club MTV while she was there and how she reflects on it now. So enough of me, let's get into my chat with Kim Marie Lynch. Uh, hi, Kim Marie. Yes. Hi, it's Jerome. How are you? Hello. I'm doing really well. How are you? Good, good. Uh, excited to hear about your uh, Club MTV story. Oh my God, such a long time ago. <laughs> um, but, you know, really um, indelible part of my career, too. Oh, good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's start at the beginning. Uh, okay. What years did you dance on Club MTV? So I did the pilot. I auditioned for the pilot and got it, and then I shot the pilot, and then they decided to go forward with the with making the show, and then I was on it for that first year, and then I left for a little while, and then I went back for like. I don't know, maybe like another six months. So those years are a little blurry. I think it was 87. Okay. That it start, I think the pilot was either 80, 86 or 87. I can't really remember. But it was my first professional job in New York City. Oh, wow. I like basically, yeah, I just got here. I, you know, I came here. I came to New York City from Boston and didn't really have, um, I, come from, I came from a very insular community there um, where nobody really got out. Nobody really got in, so I didn't. Re- I didn't know how to leave, and there was just all kinds of sort of things in my way. But I just ended up moving here, and then just started auditioning because I knew about backstage, and you know, started networking right away. And that was my my first gig. Wow. Okay. And what was yeah, the yeah. audition like? It was at the Palladium, so it was you know just like they were basically like you know. There was a very long line outside. It was really like around the block type of line. One those eighties auditions were kind of famous for. <laughs> um, are we recording? Oh yes, sorry. <laughs> okay, oh, that's all right. Um, so it was like those eighties auditions that had. They were very famous for having those blocks, those lines around the block. Um, and it was outside the Palladium. It was you know, I was very young, so I didn't care about standing in the line. 
Um, and then they, it, there weren't like rises, you know, the, the regular Palladium stage was there and then those side rises, I don't know, um, I don't totally remember, but it was mostly, I feel like on the dance floor where they just had a dance and then they would pair us up people. So it was like, it was like that kind of audition. And then they would give you like feedback, like great what you're doing. Let's move you over here. You know, from what I can remember, it was, it was just basically like, show us your personality. Can you dance for like a whole song? like that okay and then once you got picked were you nervous heading into your first taping i was very 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 excited because like mtv was such a galvanizing time right it was so it meant so much to to my generation that coming around really changed the whole game and a lot of how i learned to dance was by teaching myself like Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson and Madonna choreography in Boston, like where I didn't have a lot of access, even though that's a, a city that has a lot of colleges and dance programs and theatrical programs. I didn't, I lived like 20 minutes from a lot of them and didn't know that that was even an option for me. Like that's where I, that's the type of community I came from. So I taught, I would teach myself. I was a cheerleader, which kept me really physically fit um, in terms of being, like a dancer and being able to learn choreography. I knew how to memorize stuff from cheerleading um, and didn't really take, like as a young, young kid, I took dance classes, but then they became unavailable to me as I got older, just circumstances and stuff that happened within the community. Um, And so then once I got, I got to New York, I started taking classes. So it, to me, it was like the most thrilling thing that could have ever happened. So I, I, I wasn't nervous. I was just, just much more excited than anything. Okay. Oh, Couldn't that, believe it. That's Couldn't awesome. Believe it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was Julie like, downtown Julie Brown? Okay. So for me, downtown Julie Brown was a complete and absolute champion for me. She was so kind and she was so warm and she made a lot of space for me as an artist. She was, um, she was very proactive in seeing like talent and seeing, understanding like what people wanted to do. If there were things that, that people wanted to do sort of to, for launch pads off the show, she was very good at seeing that I felt like. Um, so she was always incredibly kind, very warm, very welcoming. There was always just, I, I have nothing but good things to say about downtown Julie Brown. Club MTV, Julie Brown with you here. We've got a new song coming your way. We'd like someone to kick it off. Kim, would you do the honors, please? It's Amazulu with Montego Bay. Okay, let's get down. Calypso Styli. Amazulu's brand new one. Are you ready to rock? Here we go. Montego Bay. So speaking of launching pads, I mean, there were a lot of singers and dancers and actors and models. It was like a hotbed of talent, which brings me to the superstar singer, Anastasia. Mm -hmm. She was Mm -hmm. a regular dance partner of yours. Yeah, yeah. Um, That was like a journey that we took together. We were a group. We... um, we were very serious about our partnership. We had a record deal. Um, it was, you know, we were very young. There were just a lot of 
There were a lot of hands in the pie. There were a lot of people that didn't have our best interests at heart. There were things that we didn't understand and didn't know. We worked really hard. We did really good work. And then it just, it didn't work out. Oh. Um, so it was just like one of those things where you're like, oh, this whole thing fell apart. And now I have to like pick my life up and, and start all, all over again. Oh, that's, that's too bad. But I guess, you know, it, yeah. it helps, you know, it's a, a chapter on the journey. So, For sure. For sure. I learned a lot. I learned a, a tremendous amount about people, about who to trust, about like how to get a manager that's going to like really teach you how to manage a contract, you know, how to manage your time, how to do all the things that like really young people might need help with. And then, of course, through that, I, I, I learned it all. I had to teach myself, too. Right. Of course. Of course. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Aside from Anastasia, did you have any other favorite people that you like to dance with on the show? There were so many amazing people there. I mean, just like off the top of my head, of course, there's Jocelyn. And I remember Ronnie. I know that Stuart was on. I still go to the garden and see. I just like sometimes wait for Stuart to come down from the from the rafters to talk to Stu. Um, there were a lot of other people, too. And like some, I know Venus. I don't know if you have reached out to Venus. She was a, like, a, she was a great person to have around. Really fun to dance with. Um who else? There were so many amazing people. And it was just, it was so long ago that it's kind of hard to remember a lot of names. <laughs> and I was kind of a floater. I kind of floated around. You know, like Anastasia and I were really trying to push the group and push the push the record. So we tried to get featured a lot. We tried to stay together a lot. But then we also moved around because there were so many people who were so interesting and so talented and cute, you know, like that. <laughs> of course, of course. Right. Yeah. How did you get your outfits for the show? Oh my God, this is so funny. So, I mean, when I first got, I was just basically pulling from my my closet and my roommate's closet. This is the person that I moved from Boston with. We just basically like came here on a like on a really limited amount of money, and we were like, let's just go, let's just move there, and then we'll see what happens. Um. But she had like she was very creative dresser. She had a lot of she had a lot of like really interesting style points. The two of us together put a lot of outfits together. So I was just always pulling from my closet. I did a lot of thrifting back then. I still thrift, but I did a lot of thrifting. But it was all like it was all my clothes, and I would just decide what I was going to wear. Then after a while, because it was so grueling, I don't know if anybody has spoken specifically about like the, the length of days, the like lack of money, the lack of resources for the dancers, right? They didn't give us a budget to buy clothes. You had to buy your own shit. You had to like, we were getting paid nothing. We were working all day. Like, you know, I think, I can't remember the amount of shows that we would do in a weekend, but it was an outrageous amount of shows. Like there should have been laws really <laughs> for the amount of work that we were doing for the, the little bit of amount of money that we were getting from such a very rich network but that's you know those are other things that we can definitely talk about because it did become problematic but um to get back to the quote there came a time where I basically had like a little interior rebellion where I went to do the taping and I decided that I was not bringing anything except for one outfit and I was going to wear the one outfit for the whole day oh wow and I did that <laughs> 
Yep. And I remember the outfit. It was a black cat suit, turtleneck, long sleeve cat suit that I took a piece of black material and tied in a bow behind my back. And I had this rhinestone, three-tiered rhinestone necklace. And I would, and people kept saying to me, you already had that on. And I'd be like, yes, I know. <laughs> and there were like people, like producers saying it to me. And there were dancers saying to me, like, you already wore that. And I'd be like, yes, I know. And it was just like my little moment of being like, fuck you. Like, I can't possibly continue to put these. It was such a taxing thing. And then at like one point, something got stolen from me. So I was like, I'm not bringing all my clothes to like put, to possibly have them get stolen. Right. So that, that was part of my rebellion as well, where I was just like, I'm going to go. I'm going to show up in the outfit. I'm going to wear the outfit for the however, I think seven shows in the day. And then, uh, if you know, then I'm going to call it a night. After the seventh show or the fifth. I can't remember how many. I think it was seven shows a day, which is insane. Right, right. Yeah, I think uh, most people have said it was eight shows one day, seven the next, something like that. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Well, it's also really, 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 really fun, but also exhausting and problematic in a lot of ways. Uh, Yeah, I can imagine. And then the longer you do it, you're like, wait, what is this? What is happening? How much money does this network have? <laughs> Why? Are we getting paid $50 a day? Like, you know. But then you also, we also were all, like, seeing it at, for the thing that they do, especially with dancers. Like, oh, you're going to get exposure. You're going to get exposure, right? That was, like, a big thing also, 80s and 90s. They might even still say it to dancers, like, do this job. We'll give you 100 bucks, But it's a lot of exposure. And it's just a way, really, to exploit talent. Right, right. Yeah, because I mean, you yeah. can't pay rent with exposure, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, you know, we tried to make it work. The people who were did who were trying to do other things used it. Oh, good. Definitely. That's good. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, speaking yeah. of which, did you get to do, like, any cool music videos or anything based on I your did. time there? I did. I did. So, I met Tyrone Proctor. Um, on the set of Club MTV. He's a really well-known choreographer. He did a lot of Jody Watley videos, but he also did the Johnny Kemp video, Just Got Paid. And I was walking home, and he, they just happened to be shooting on my block. And I walked past him, and he was like, come come right now and then he like put me on the set and he was like you're gonna you're gonna stay right there and it was just like a background spot but to me it was like a huge deal and the the really fun thing was I just got to freestyle in the video um so it was just you know one of those moments in knowing someone New York City it used to be I feel like it used to be there used to be more spontaneous creation happening in the city um back then um I don't see a lot of that anymore but back hmm. then, a lot of stuff would just sort of pop up and you'd be like, wait, what are we doing? What is happening? You know? Um, and it was just a, like the vibe. It was just a vibe. And I did do a couple of Salt and Pepper videos. They came and performed on the show. And then they um, they cast some of us from being on the show. So that was really fun to do those videos. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, yeah it seemed were, like yeah. they were kind of like the perfect group for that show they just had the right vibe yeah yeah they did and they were also lovely and you know they were very engaging um they were engaged with with the cast like in casting those videos and picking the people that they wanted you know mtv was 
struggling with their own sort of racism at the time too. And like, they weren't really paying attention to rap music, like at the video music awards, same with the Grammys. So a lot of times they would make the, um, the black artists put white people in their videos. So they would come to MTV and I, that was also, I understand now I didn't understand. I had the privilege to not have to understand it, but back then definitely they needed MTV was telling them that there had to be white people in their videos in order for them to get played. So I knew later on that that had happened, but that is an important thing to say as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They, they yep. kind of struggled to, to find their, their footing with black music there for a little while. Oh, for a very, yeah, for a very long time. And David Bowie called them out famously, you know, Michael Jackson sort of stepped set them up because he was so successful once they started playing his videos there was no turning there was no denying what was happening but they still hadn't really reckoned with their their racism for quite a while i think yeah yeah definitely uh speaking of artists did you have any favorite artists that you got to see perform on the show uh i was very excited about paula abdul uh, I'm a love. I'm a huge fan. Love her so much. Also, really sweet. Very, very engaging. You know, there were people who came on the show and they were like, "Oh, who are you? What are you doing? Oh, what?" You know, they were people who would just come and be very down to earth in terms of you know interacting with the dancers. She was one of the people who was so sweet and kind. Um, and some people just didn't. They were very busy, right? So they would come on and they would perform and they would go. So I'm not like shading anybody who didn't interact with dancers, but there were some people who just found the time whatever in their schedule to just sort of be around um and and interact she was one of my favorites i really loved seeing like sweet sensation all the girl groups that came through that always made me really excited just in terms of seeing like women artists groups because i was in a group i was like yay go <laughs> go female group girl groups let's go sweet sensation um oh my god who's that other huge group that um, show me, remember, show me, show me. Oh, the Who's cover that? girls. The cover girls. Oh, I'm so excited to see the cover girls. Yeah, all those. Um, yeah, Bobby Brown came through. That was really fun. I also like got picked to go on stage and dance with Bobby Brown. So that was a bit of a thrill. Also, from being from Boston, I was like, guess what? I'm from Dorchester too. So there was like a little. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that connection of Boston with him. Okay. So yeah, there was a lot of like really positive stuff that happened. And then, you know, not so positive things. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that, you know, it couldn't have all been, you know, all good times, but that's how things like that go. No, I mean <laughs> Yeah. Do we want to talk about that? Um, sure, yeah, absolutely. I mean everyone's been pretty honest about, you know, yeah. Positive and negative experiences from the show, so Yeah. I mean the big the big thing that became very apparent to a lot of us was how sexist it became and how troubling that was for like, you know, a lot of us who were really trying to use it as a platform and took ourselves very seriously as performers and dancers. When all of a sudden the only people who were getting shown on television were like people who were wearing little tiny dresses that they could 
they were deciding that it was okay to shoot up dresses from platforms and things like that, which is very well known. I'm not saying anything new. That became very obvious that 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 was the direction that the show went into, especially as a show that was directed by men. All the cameramen were men. All the editors, as far as I know, were men. So it became problematic in that way. Right, right. Yeah, it it seemed like the show kind of developed that reputation. Yes, it developed or devolved, however you want to look at it. <laughs> but, you know, it was that it, it got to the point where I was like, so maybe I'll just stand around then and see what happens. And that became a little bit more of a watcher to okay. see like exactly what every, what they were doing. And it was, it was really concerning and upsetting when I would just see it. And it was very hard. So many, so many people were very young and didn't, were like, oh, this is, this is how I'm going to get the time. And this is, this is what I can do. And it, for some people, it totally worked and it's fine and there's nothing wrong with it. But I think that they were totally being exploited and didn't know. Right, right. I can see how, yeah, that part of it could be a little problematic because it's sort of one thing if yeah. you're you're in on it and you feel like that's what you want to do but if it's something that yeah. you feel like you have to do then that's that's not right. so great okay. yeah there were definitely people who did it and made it work and and that was a platform for them that's awesome i totally support and love that so happy for those people who got to have that happen but then there were people who were doing it and then there were people who were like, fuck that, I'm not doing that. And so then it, be it became just a kind of a battle, right? So for me, I was like, okay, so I'm not going to do that. So then I'm not getting paid attention to at this point. So then that's pretty much when I had to go. Right. Oh, that's that's disheartening. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sexist world, you know. <laughs> Unfortunately. You take two steps forward and one step back, so. Right, but right. But just got to keep, keep fighting a good fight. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's too bad. Cause I, I feel like that element kind of was always part of the show to a certain extent, but I feel like the show worked best when you had a variety. So it wasn't just, they look great, but you had dancers and you had people with personality. You kind of had a mix of everything. Yeah. Yes, I, and I do think it started like that. And I, I think you're right. There was always a little bit of titillation from the cameramen. They were always like, "Ooh, look at this!" But it wasn't the it wasn't the focus of the direction of the show at the beginning. Okay. And it became the focus. It became the direction was to go to that, shoot that. That's where we're going to make the money. Those are the money shots. Right, and and that's ultimately what led to you leaving the show. For me, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of other stuff going on. I had this record deal. I had all kinds of things happening in my in my life and in my career. Um, and I knew that it was going to be a limited time, right? Because it's very specific what it is. Um, and so, yeah, it just got there. There were just the, that confluence of sort of moving into the next step in my career and it be becoming this thing that I sort of lost interest in because of the that new direction or the more focused direction that it was going in. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, what sound did you and, and Anastasia have with your music? We were like a sort of pop funk group. 
Okay. Yeah, I would say it was like, it was pop funk, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was fun. You know, we were both dancers. It was a highly choreographed act. Um, and I played like a stand-up Simmons drum set, like an electronic drum set. I really wanted to be Sheila E. Um, <laughs> and, you know, she is the un- outrageous singer that she is. So it was a... Um, we were very creative at a very young age and we did a lot and we really, you know, it almost worked and then it didn't. And that's just how it is sometimes. Welcome back to Club MTV's Masquerade Party and a party has turned out to be Kim and Anastasia, where did you get those outfits? Little Mermaid down here. Um, a woman named Kim Brackman makes all these things out of paper plates and so there you go. And Kim's a bumblebee, right? Yeah, I'm a killer African bee. They're killing. She's got quite a nice sting. Turn around. Look at that. The thing is, they're dressed up, and I wear this to go shopping to get my food. <laughs> this is normal for me. Anyway, what are we going to go into, Kim? Bobby Brown and Don't Be Cruel. Okay, come on, get up and dance, Anastasia. But, I mean, that didn't slow you down, because I think you're the only Club MTV dancer I've spoken to so far who danced on the show and also danced on the academy awards so I sure did <laughs> yeah so i mean after like the record deal fell apart i had to just kind of pick myself up and be like okay what well, now now what am i going to do now what's going to happen so i just really went back to auditioning and stomp had a open call this was also like right at the beginning it hadn't even opened in new york city yet um and so I went to that that original audition for this show that was coming into New York. And they were like, we want dancers and we want percussionists and we want people who can act. It was like this sort of hybrid that they were looking for. And I was like, okay, great. And that was another crazy around the block line to wait in. But also the other thing about that audition was that it was like hours of workshopping because that show was so interactive and because it is so much about like the personalities and who's telling the story and like what those relationships are. And how intricate those rhythms are and, you know, they, those patterns and all of that music that is written that had to be learned. Um, it was a really intensive. It was actually a whole weekend long. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. It, and it was really fun. Another one that was really fun, but I was also like, okay, it's taking a lot of time. Um, <laughs> but they were also casting for two swings to go to Brighton, which is where the creators of Thump are from, to learn the show to, to bring it back to New York to swing for the original British cast. And they hired, I didn't get it. And that was devastating. And then the show came to New York and then they needed the American replacements. So I went, they called me back to do the whole thing again with like some of the people that I recognized from the, the original audition of like many, many, many people where they only cast two. Then they were looking for eight. To, to be the British replacements. So then I did a whole other weekend and I didn't get it. Oh no. <laughs> so that was, yeah. So, and then I didn't get it and they hired the eight original cast members. But then as soon as the show, they started putting the Americans in to take the place of the Brits. Then some, the American cast started getting hurt because they weren't used to doing that type of movement. And those, there was a lot of dangerous shit in stomp too. You know, there was a lot of metal and it was a lot of, you know, heavy things that you were kind of sometimes throwing at people and, you know, all this different stuff. So they started getting hurt and they realized that they needed two more swings. So they called me and I was like, I can't audition again. And they, they offered me a swing position. 
see what all the noise is about. Stop. So I was part of the original American cast. Once they, they hadn't even put the whole eight, the new eight in by the time they, they pulled me in to swing. And a swing is a person who learns like a bunch of different roles and is available kind of all the time. Okay. Which is, yeah. So, um, so then I got to do a lot of things from being in this really groundbreaking show. Like at this point, that type of rhythm and those type of, um, rhythmic stories are part of the lexicon. You see that commercials all the time, shows, you the television shows. But at the time, no one had ever done that before. No one was telling rhythmic stories like that specifically like stomp like blue man group had was they opened very shortly after blue man so it was a kind of a downtown storytelling art form but it was its own thing so it was really fun to be part of something that was so new it was so hot the show was so hot in new york at that time that was 95 when it opened um and then because uh that because of that and because it became such a huge hit then i got to do other things like the oscars and that was also like what i got to do mr rogers i was i did sesame street i did oprah winfrey like all of these little these little side gigs that came from being in the show where i would go on at, as part of stomp oh, that's Reason, awesome. Lee. yeah there was a lot yeah it was really fun and then i was on tour and i like went to japan i was like a really it was really my I think my favorite job of my career yeah. as a performer. It, I can see why it was just so yeah. groundbreaking. Yeah, it really was. And really, 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 really fun to do. And, you know, because it was so grueling to do that, like two hour show. And there were eight shows a week at the Orpheum. They're still at the Orpheum. Incidentally, that show is still running at the wow. Orpheum. 27 years later, it's still there. And the tours are out. And they, there's, you know, those, the two people who um, invented it, the people who produced it, they're, they're doing new stuff all the time. They're really into making films. They, they're just very creative people. But this, the, it's still there. It's still at the Orpheum. And it was, um, you know, it was, it was a hot shit job. And it was really fun. Okay. And then a lot of, a lot of, because it was so taxing, because it was so like, and once you start sort of expelling your energy like that, it can become like emotional. And then you're like going through it with all these people, a lot of marriages, a lot of babies, lots, a lot. There's a lot of stomp babies. They just had the 25th anniversary. I think it was in 2018. It was right before the pandemic. And there were like 12 kids there which they call pure bloods which means they had two parents who were stompers there were 12 of them wow 12 pure bloods yeah so it's, it's a little cute little thing <laughs> and probably probably there'll be more pure bloods because the shit is still going wow that's that's incredible <laughs> yeah it's really just a funny little aside from that show nice i don't know like a ton of shows that have like just a sort of history of like babies in marriage <laughs> and a lot of them all still still together after 25 years mine being one of them oh congratulations <laughs> thank you thank you yeah just nice. you know in the sort of performing arts trenches people get tight totally totally and you know being young and in shape sexy sexy you know <laughs> yeah that's that's gonna happen <laughs> yeah being in a hot show, you know, a lot of stuff happens. 
Right. Okay. And then <laughs> what happens after Stomp? So then I, I basically retired from Stomp and was like, okay, now, now what? Now what am I going to do? But in the interim, like during my time at Stomp, I had a percussion background and I was a dancer mostly by trade. But then I got very interested in acting um, from being around all those actors and all those people who could tell those stories without any words. So I started to study acting and I was like, that I kind of want to sort of move it because I got hurt in the show and retired from ha suffering an injury or dealing with an injury and really had to retire from dance. And I don't, I think it wasn't like all of a sudden something happened and I was out. It was like a sort of just, I think, a lifetime of abuse or just overuse. And it was just like I would get really tired and I would be in a lot of pain and then I would take a couple of days off and I would be fine. And then that got shorter and shor shorter until then I went and had an x-ray and had like all these little fractures in my vertebra, in my L5. So I was like, all right, like pretty much didn't have any more back extension. So I was like, all right, I'm, I guess I'm going to have to retire from dance. But I had already sort of shifted into into acting. So then I started pursuing acting um, and did like some shows, moved to, did a couple of like, um, you know, like um, regional stuff with acting. I got into the voiceover world and was pretty successful with that. And then I got to the point in my life. Oh, so I then on the side, as a side job, I started working as a teaching artist which is usually like arts organizations will use um, like whatever their organization is, whatever the, the thrust of it is, they have this separate arm for education. So I started to work for arts education companies who would go into public schools in New York. The one that I did a lot of work for were people who hired actors to um, teach social and emotional learning and use drama as a tool for that. So it was a lot of role play, theater games really really fun but I started really getting into hanging out with young people and then I got to an age where evolution started kind of knocking on my ovaries and was like you need to have a baby <laughs> and I was like wait what and so then all of a sudden I was like you know I had been with my husband we'd been together for 10 years and then we got married after 10 years and then like, I didn't think I was going to get married or have babies, but then all of a sudden it was like, what are we doing? What, let's have a party. Let's have a marriage. We can pull all these people together that probably will never be in the same room again. We'll celebrate this. And then started trying to have a baby. And then I had a baby, and I thought that I would just basically go back to auditioning. But then as soon as she was born, I was like, okay, no, I can't. Because my husband is an actor, too. And I was like, if I'm going to leave the house, then I have to go and I have to bring back a check. I can't go. And at that point, I was like, I can't just go out and audition with a hundred other 40-year-old women for two lines on a good way. <laughs> right, right. So I was like, I can't. So I, you know, I started thinking like, I'm not the type of person who can sit down at a desk. I can't, I'd like, I started working at 13 and have always worked, but I never had like a full-time job where you go to an office and like do that. So I was like, well, what are the options? What are you going to do? Like, what can you do? And then I, you know, I had all this experience as a teaching artist and I was like, oh, I could teach. So then 
I went back to school and I got the degree that I never, I, right after high school, I went to art school in Massachusetts because I couldn't figure out how to get a, out of Boston right away. Um, and I went to art school and then like was waiting tables and bartending, cocktail waitressing and saved up a, like a thousand dollars to put the down payment on my first apartment and then saved up another thousand dollars and then moved to New York and that was it. Um, and then now it's like 36 years later <laughs> that I've been here. Wow. Yeah. So I know. Um, <laughs> but I forget. Oh, so, so then I, I sort of lost, I got a little stuck in my tunnel there. Oh no. Um, how you got into teaching? Oh yeah. So, so then I had like one semester of college. And so I went back to college to get a degree in education. Um, um, theater and educational studies was the degree that I designed. And I went to SUNY Empire State, shout out SUNY Empire State, who basically the, their whole, um, their whole specific purpose is to bring adults who have been in the workforce. And if they don't have a degree, bring them to degree status to elevate their income, basically. So all you have to do, you basically have to prove that what you have been doing is college level learning. So I used my, I had to write all these essays. So I wrote essays about being a teaching artist, about being a dancer, about being a choreographer, all these different things that I had done in my life. Um, I wrote all these essays and basically got almost like three quarters of the credit and then got the degree and then started full-time teaching. I started teaching full-time dance in a middle school and that was, in 20, well, I actually, I had another full-time job at the Trevor Project. Do you know what the Trevor Project is? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, a great organization. So I a trainer. Yes. An amazing organization. I became the trainer. I trained all of the people um, who were basically answering the phones there. Um, and that was a great experience. And I learned there were a lot of that job, when the, the trainings weren't happening, I had to sit at a desk to organize them and get ready for them. So it didn't work for me because there was just like too much time for me sitting. Um, but I got a lot of experience in terms of, um, like I had to get my LGBTQ competency up. I had to get my like sexual health <clears throat> competency up because these are LGBTQ kids from across the entire country that are calling in crisis or suicidal and they're calling for help. And, it's the only one in the country. So I had to learn myself and then we had to figure out how to train all of these people who come to volunteer to how to answer the phone and how to talk to young people about maybe situations that we're not that comfortable in this country. We don't like to talk to young people about sex. So I had to like figure out design ways. Experiential learning is my thing as a mover and an actor, how to get them engaged to learn how to talk about that stuff, which is I'm going somewhere with this in terms of my, my teaching career. <laughs> but so Trevor was my first full-time gig. That started in 2013. Started full-time dance in 2015. And now I'm a um, health and sex ed teacher because so much of my experience in teaching dance was a lot of young people coming in with not a lot of nutrient. Like I had a 7 a.m. dance club that was an hour and a half. They were very serious. And they would show up to my dance club at 7 a.m. with either a bacon, egg, and cheese, and a Coke, or a pack of sour straws, and try to dance for an hour and a half. Oh, no. So I started noticing <laughs> holes, yes, and holes in the education there, and then there was always 
some sort of romantic problem or some sort of romantic issue that I started like building that stuff into the curriculum and as a dance teacher. So then I basically was like, so if a school doesn't have a sex ed teacher or a health teacher, it's like, it's not that big of a deal. When you have a dance teacher, if the dance teacher leaves, they'll hire another dance teacher. But I was like, who has the full-time sex ed teacher? Because that's where we're failing society, right? This is where we have put ourselves in a really dire position that we are not talking about sex. We're not talking about nutrition enough. We're not talking about, you know, ways to, we're not talking about comprehensive protection methods. We're not teaching young people how to make smarter, healthier choices in terms of their sexual health, in terms of their nutritional health. So I found a school that has a full-time health teacher and that's what I'm doing now. And it's amazing. In a high school. Oh, wow. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's been really great. I really, one of my favorite things is like being in a room with a bunch of young people because they're hilarious (laughs) and really brilliant and they need a lot of information and they're really hungry for information. So over the years, I really learned how to build relationships with young people and build trust with them. It's an ongoing learning experience, but if you know how to do it, if you can build the trust with them, then really, really, really important conversations can happen. Totally, totally. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. That's, that's my whole trajectory <laughs> from being a club MTV dancer. Nice. Okay, so I only have a few questions left. This has been fun. Okay. Um, so MTV's kind of leaning into nostalgia with their programming for the streaming network Paramount Plus with like their real oh. world reunion shows and all of that. Yeah. If they did a reunion style show for Club MTV, <laughs> would you do it? Yeah. I mean, you know, that all of a sudden my my eyes just opened up a little bit wider. I mean, you know, when Stomp was having the 25th anniversary, they, like, reached out and they were like, we want everybody to to come, and the show was still running, so they wanted to put, they wanted to have those two shows on the Sunday. They wanted to put everybody in for, like, a minute, because the show's still running, and the cast there um, has to do the show, so they were like, we'll just put people in for certain numbers, and it'll be, like, sort of putting people in and taking out, putting putting them in and taking them out, and I was like... Well, I'll go to the party and I'll go to the to the thing, but I'm not going to be in the show. And then I got there and just like seeing everybody and just being part of it was one of the most it was very it was really thrilling and it was very unexpected. So in having that experience and going back to the 25th anniversary, I would sort of I would lean on yes because I had that experience and how meaningful that was and how surprising it was, um, how emotional it was to see all those people and to sort of revisit that time. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give that a yes. Uh, that's awesome. So far, everyone's <laughs> up for it. So hopefully it happens. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's amazing. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. I yeah, I wonder if they would do it. That would be cute. This is a long time ago, so, you know. <laughs> right, right. Um, what do you feel is the legacy of Club MTV? I mean, I feel like it was, I feel like the most important thing was that it took a, a, 
variety of people. Like there were, there was always this sort of thing about club MTV dancers that they were really highly trained dancers, and then there were freestyle dancers. And I feel like it gave everybody the room to be whatever kind of dancer that you that you were. And I feel like that was very important at the time because music videos were such a huge part of the culture. And MTV was really all about music and videos at that time. And I missed that. And I feel like they gave a lot of, they gave, they, they, they made every kind of dancer have some sort of weight and credence in terms of their expression and their art. And I feel like nothing had really done that at that point once we had sort of taken off from music videos and that type of choreography and that type of expression. So I feel like that was the important thing was that all of a sudden all these different styles of dance, all these different types of dancers, all these different types of people and bodies and expressions, sexual identities were all of a sudden being represented and being seen. And I think that that is the most important thing that happened. Oh, absolutely. Okay. What was the best part of being a club MTV dancer? I, I mean, I really feel like it was the people, you know, and then being a person who loves to move, even though it was grueling and it was really hard to have a job for me at my very young age, where all I did was like show up and get cute and dance and listen to really loud music. I was like, what, what could be better than this? <laughs> you know, and, and the, you know. At that, at that very young, green, green stage, I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And that's the goddamn truth. It really was. I couldn't believe that I had moved to New York and then I was on MTV. Like, that's how much power it held for me. Wow. And a lot of people, a lot of people were like, holy shit, y'all were on MTV. What? <laughs> it was like, a, it was a really big deal to get on it. You know, totally. at that time it was... Yeah, it was really groundbreaking at that point. Yeah, MTV was kind of the epicenter of everything cool and happening. It really was. It was the zeitgeist, yes, of what was going on in the world. Or in this country, anyway. But the world, eventually, sort of, yes. It got there, eventually, yeah. It did. I think it did. I think you're right. I think you're totally right. All right, my last question. This is the tough one. What was your favorite song to dance to on Club MTV? (gasps) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god okay so a really oh, there were so many Jesus Christ Rob Bay's song It Takes Two was a really big one it was a really big one I was really I've I have been and will always be a giant Madonna fan so that those the Madonna stuff was always huge to me. Um, and then the girl groups, always, always with the girl groups. So like Cover Girls, Show Me. Um, there were so many. I also loved like um, Joey Watley, Jesus Christ Almighty. That really should have been at the top of my list, but... <laughs> Like "Want Me" was a big one. All the all the Jody Watley songs from that era. So, like, I'd say Jody Watley first, and then I would say, the, like, Cover Girls, and then I would say, shit, Madonna. Madonna. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. It's a great time for music. 
It really was. I say it all the time. I work with young people, and I'm like, y'all, the 80s. A lot of problematic stuff, but in terms of music, I'm so happy that I was alive in the 80s and that I was a teenager in the 80s. Everybody says that about their teenagers, but I don't know. I think the 80s was really magical. <laughs> Absolutely. And that was my chat with Club MTV dancer Kim Marie Lynch. That was awesome, right? If you want to see Kim in action, be sure to check out Club MTV fan page on YouTube where we just hit 17,000 subscribers. There are a ton of great clips and full episodes of the show up there for you to enjoy. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, those links will be in the show notes. Next week, you'll get to hear my conversation with Club MTV dancer Christian Liendo. Now, that one was a special treat for me as Christian is one of the kindest and most welcoming of the Club MTV dancers I've gotten to know. And you'll get to hear about a special gift that he organized for me. So there's a tease for next week. Now let's close things out with Jody Watley, who she's great. And don't you want me? Hey.